Welcome to another church history class, class number 133. This is, uh, I'm reading from the Baptist Church Perpetuity or History by W.A. Gerald. This uh, textbook here basically was written in 1700 or 1894. And so we go back a period, a long period of time. And Things were happening in 1894 that we don't really realize that happened today unless we have an eyewitness then because we have Adoniram Judson, we have a, a, quite a few of the wonderful missionaries going out in the world at that period of time. And, and basically the, uh, the Baptist people were sending these missionaries out. And here we have the beginning of the Seventh-day Baptist and uh, about... Uh, somewhere around 1728 different groups of Baptists they say there was 30 or 40 different groups of Baptists and and that uh, they no, nobody agreed with anybody else but Baptists did agree on essential elements the essential elements now what we call essential elements is a whole lot different than the ecclesiastical world calls essential elements the two basically subjects that we're going to go in here is essential what is essential and non-essential beliefs we're going to find out the ecclesiastical world and Baptist world there is a whole lot of difference between the non-essentials and the essentials we're going to go back here and we're going to read some history if I can read my notes I've shaked so bad now since I had that propane poisoning that I can hardly read my own writing and this goes into scribbles and uh, we're going to talk about the non-essential beliefs what would you think as a non-essential Jesus Christ is the Son of God that's not essential to some people it is Jesus Christ is deity not essential the Holy Spirit the Father and the Son, the triune God is a non-essential element in history. The church is a non-essential element. What the church is and what the church isn't. When you realize back in church history that the church was, when a person was born, you were baptized into the church and you became a Christian. Now, that's a non-essential element in Christendom. When you're baptized in the church, you become a member of the church in the state, wherever that was, in, in Germany, in England, in France, uh, Spain, wherever it was, you become a member of the state and a member of the church at the same time. And when children are baptized into the church as babies, they may grow up and be a member of that church in good standing all the time and they are horrible non-believing people they don't even believe in God they are thieves and robbers and liars and cheats and whatever but they're a member of the church now the Baptists say if you are a member of a church you will live a holy life they believed in a converted church membership and you don't become a member of the church until you repent and you ask the Lord to save your soul and then you are baptism 
baptized. You believe before you're baptized and before church membership, and you walk into a church membership with your eyes wide open and your ears wide open, and you know what's expected of you and what you expect of others as Christians and children of God. Now let's go back and look at some of these non-essential elements. How about baptism? Is baptism a non-essential belief? While I have no doubt that philosophically and historically, baptism by immersion was a primitive mode, I consider it today among the non-essential things of the Christian church and faith. I cannot be conscientiously any longer tied to the intense literalness of the Bible. Literal interpretation of the Bible. That's non-essential now, okay? The literal interpretation of the Bible is a non-essential element in Christendom. Now, this may hurt a lot of people's feelings because of what I'm going to do here, but this is what happened. What is a non-essential element of belief? So I joined the Congregationalist, he said. This reminds me of John Calvin's words when he was originating the Presbyterian Church and substituting the change of men for God's plain word. Whether the person who is to be baptized be wholly immersed, or whether thrice or once, or whether water only poured or sprinkled upon him, it is of no importance, and churches ought to be left at liberty in this respect to act according to the differences um, in the customs of the different countries. To me, that is violence, doing violence to scriptures, doing violence to a very important thing. Baptism is a very important act. It typifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you can't do that sprinkling the pouring. The word, very word baptize, however, signifies to immerse. And it is certain that immersion was a practice of the ancient churches. A Peter Baptist minister the other day asked the writer why Baptists were so orthodox on the question of eternal punishment and other question on agitating the churches while eternal punishment, that means hell. Is hell an essential belief? Well, it sure is. What groups don't believe in hell? Universalists? Unitarians? Jehovah Witnesses, the Mormons, the Seventh-day Adventists, they don't believe in hell. Are those the essential elements of belief in God and his word? The Bible says more about hell than it does heaven. While congregations and others were becoming so loose and unsound, the question in a suggestive one that only Baptist minister in this vicinity so far as we know who has, has favored universalism and other errors as open communion. Open communion. Is that essential element according to Baptists? Real Baptists it is. A real Baptist church, only the church members in a local visible church take the Lord's Supper together, not somebody that's coming by or, or some visitor or anything else, and you don't go to some other church and take the Lord's Supper with them. Communion, the Lord's Supper, is a local church ordinance. It is a local church argument. You take it within that body. It is not closed, closed communion. It is close communion. It is not open communion. 
He said, we dare not talk about essentials and non-essential beliefs. We dare not when it comes to the Word of God. We dare not. If I make light of one command in God's Word, why not another? If any particular thing that we uh, place uh, our authority above Christ, why not every particular element? The non-essential practices. The non-essential beliefs. Yes, Christ commands baptism on profession of faith. But I think something else would do than the foundation of all authority is taken away and our only hope is unquestioning loyalty to the divine word. Do you believe the Bible or do you not? All you Presbyterians out there, you Methodists out there, all you people that practice open communion, sprinkling for baptism, non-essential things, non-essential things. At the faithfulness of the Baptist to the truth without being constrained by ecclesiastical authority over the churches. Baptist opponents stand in admiration and wonder, not seeing that this is the logical result of Baptist starting point, faithfulness to God's word. Charles Hodge said to a Baptist preacher, it has always appeared to me a remarkable fact in Providence that although your church organizations all allow such freedom to the several congregations, your ministers and people have ever been so distinguished for adherence to sound doctrine. Churches today don't want to preach doctrine. They don't want to preach doctrine. What is doctrine? I got a little book here that I wrote about 50 years ago. The Doctrines of the Bible. You can get that if you want this. Uh, email me and I'll send you a copy of this by ebook. I'm not not, not hard copy. Can't afford to do that. The Congregation Union, Henry Ward Beecher said, among all the other churches whose flag, red with the blood of Calvary, has never lowered or trailed in the dust of defection, who while the Congregational Church suffers eclipse, while the Presbyterians in England suffer eclipse, stood firm, testifying to the truth as to, in Jesus, none deserve more love and more gratitude than the Baptist churches of America. In America, you would not have liberty nor religious liberty. America was going to be a church-state union. The Baptists fought hard for it, and you have the amendments to the Constitution. You have the Bill of Rights because of that. It wasn't enough. <clears throat> when Adoniram Judson was translating his Bible when he was over there in, in the dark world and the basically, I don't know whether you know it or not, the Baptist churches, we always believed in the Bible. We've always taught the Bible is the most important thing. We believe in a literal interpretation of the Bible. When the King James Bible came out, we said that it was a very biased translation and that no one should believe it. 
Oh, now, that ought to hurt somebody's feelings, too. The King James Version, that's an inspired Bible. The King James Version was a, was a translation for the Church of England. And it denounced the Baptists in the beginning of it, right there in the preface to it, and the, world, and the Catholic Church, both. It denounced both of us. The Catholic Church, of course, because they don't want you to have a Bible. The Baptists always wanted their people to have a Bible on pain of death. It was against the law on pain of death to have one page out of the Holy Scriptures. And the only reason why you have a Bible in the world today is because of Baptists. You wouldn't have one otherwise. You wouldn't have a Bible. They had to copy their Bible. Their pastors at one time in church history during the dark ages, the pastor had to memorize all four Gospels because you couldn't have a book. He had to memorize all four Gospels and the Psalms in the original languages. The Baptists, when they got some freedom of liberty in England and Germany and different places, they wanted to build seminaries. And they wanted to print Bibles. And they called the Bible <clears throat> the Bible Associations the British Bible Association, all of these. It was all started by Baptists. The Church of England only had their Bible translated and they had it translated biasly. The word baptism is not baptism, that's a transliteration. It's a transliteration. It's not a translation. The word for baptism is immersion, dipping. John the Dipper, John the Immerser. Jesus was dipped in the river. John dipped all of his disciples in the river or in whatever large plain of water. There was much water in Anon so they baptized. George Washington in America thanked the, the Baptists in this country for fighting so hard, putting their lives on the line. He said it was an absolute gift to America Baptist liberty was a church or religious liberty was an absolute gift to America that no other group ever gave it. They would not have it. It would have been church state. Through the influence of the Episcopalians in Georgia in 1785, a law was passed to establish churches union of the state and the church. It gave all denominations equal privileges. But the year it was passed, Baptists sent messengers to the legislation and finally procured its appeal. Thus, that the United States would have been a union of church and state had it not been for Baptist, for Baptist principles nipping at the bud in this. In various parts of Europe, England, Scotland, Sweden, Germany, Episcopalians, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans are all united with the state and the church, but not Baptists. In the United States, the colonies and in the United States when it became the United Colonies, the US, USA, the Presbyterians, the Catholics, the Methodists all went out and started Indian schools. Indian schools. They were going to uh, educate and convert the heathen, the American Indians. They got all paid by the state. And the Baptists put in little schools and things that taught the Indians how to read and write and, and about God and so on and so forth. But they didn't take any money from the state at all. 
and the Presbyterians and the Catholics and all of them said, well, what's wrong with the Baptists? Why aren't they doing this? And they said, they don't believe in church and state. That's marrying the church to the state. We don't want to do that. The Protestant standard says during three years the Methodists had received from the government for Indian missions $33,345. That's a lot of money back then. In six years the Presbyterian $286,000. The Congregationals $186,000. The Friends $140,000. And the Congregationalists uh, $183,000. The Episcopalians $102,000. And the Romish Church a modest sum of $1,989,000. Not knowing Baptist principles, the paper says, we are surprised to learn that the Baptists have not received anything from the government for the work they are doing among the native savages. President Elliot of Harvard University is quoted the chief gain of three centuries has been freedom of thought. The chief gain of 300 years. And Bancroft says the freedom of conscience, unlimited freedom of mind, was from the first the trophy of the Baptists and no other religion. German philosopher Gervinius in his introduction to the history of the 19th century says of the Baptists of Rhode Island here in that little state that little colony the fundamental principle of political and ecclesiastical liberty prevailed before they were ever thought of in Europe or any other country but not only had these ideas and these forms of government maintained themselves here but precisely from this little state Dr. John Clark Dr. John Clark in Newport, Rhode Island, have they extended themselves throughout the United States and they have confused the aristocracy tendency in Carolina, New York, and the high church in Virginia, the theocracy in Massachusetts, and the monarchy in all America. They have given laws to a continent and through their moral influences they are at the bottom of all democratic governments and movements throughout the whole world. You want to have liberty of conscience, freedom of speech? It's the Baptist church that owes that origin. Baptist fruits are gloriously manifest in giving the Bible to the people of their countries and their own languages but literal translations of it not a biased translation as the King James or or the 2A version or whatever the first Bible Society for the world was originated in 1807 by Baptist Joseph Hughes the Romish church has always opposed giving the Bible to the people in their own language only when the light of Christianity made it necessary to give the people the Bible in their own tongues to save them from the church did the Romish rulers ever consent to do it. Then they must not interpret for themselves. If you have the Bible, you can't interpret it for yourself. When you have a Bible, don't believe what you're reading. Adoniram Judson, Luther Rice, these different missionaries went on the fields 
and they were Congregationalists when they left, and they started reading the Bible, and they became Baptists. We studied that in church history. The Bible will make you a Baptist. That's what it is. How Baptists ever come, become Presbyterians or something else, I do not know. Once you've tasted the true, true fruit of the vine, how in the world can you go anyplace else? Yet I've heard of people doing that. Under that condition, reading the Bible is so much discouraged by the Romish rulers that comparatively few Romanists speaking the English language own a Bible, excepting in the Latin and the English language of the Roman church has made but few, if any, versions of the Bible, period. The, the, the Douay version and the Jerusalem version. And all of that is very biased. And they tell you, read it, but don't believe it. <laughs> Simple as that. Read it, but don't believe it and don't practice it. Among the Protestants, the only Bible society that has ever existed to render the Bible into English language according to the meaning of all the original words with the Baptist Bible Society and the American Bible Union. Its rules required every translator, according to the world's uncertain scholarship, to render every word of the original into the English. Under these rules, the American Bible Union employed translators of different denominations in it, assigned to a pedo-baptist scholars parts of the New Testament in which the word baptizo occurs. Baptizo. That's right, right there. Baptizo, nipto, rontizo. Rontizo means a sprinkle. Nipto means to pour. Bapto or baptizo means to dip or immerse. In answer to my question, does any Greek lexicon which is in the standard authority with scholars define baptizo by sprinkled, pour, or any other meaning of effusion? Effusion means something else. Professor Thayer, the same thing, that baptizo, bapto means the dip. I have a book up here that uh, I can't see it for all the lights up there, but uh, it's one book written on the word baptizo alone by the pedo-baptists trying to say that baptizo it, it's a non-essential a non-essential thing it doesn't matter whether you sprinkle pour like Calvin said he said it means to emerge it means to submerge it's in dipping submerging to make clean with water We go on here for several different pages, quoting all Liddell and Scott. Liddell and Scott, that one right there. Thayer's right there. The word baptize, baptize means to dip only. It means nothing else. How can you ever get a death, burial, and resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection out of anything else but dipping, immersion? That's what God decided to do. He, made, he decided that. Abraham dipped his people. He immersed, he baptized these people before he circumcised them, the ancient scholars and writers say. Judson. Let's get to Judson now. Judson was going to go over there, and he was in India, and he wanted to translate his, uh, the Bible into Burmese. He was a scholar. Judson was a scholar. He knew the Greek. He knew the Hebrew. And uh, 
The Baptists always said we need something better than King James. We've got to have something better than King James. King James is a very biased Bible. We've got to have something better than that. Well, he was going to translate the Bible, not from King James, not that as King James did. They said King James told his scholars, his translators, don't you dare translate the word baptizo, immerse. Just leave it like it is so they'll, they won't know. When you say, I was baptized. If you haven't been dipped, you haven't been baptized. It's as simple as that, but that's why the word is hidden. The word, the word ecclesia means assembly. One's called out. But they have the word church there instead. Kirk in Greek, or not in Greek, but in German. Ecclesia in Spanish, basic Latin. It means one's called out. They translated the word once called out of assembly, and all the assemblies in the Bible are local, visible assemblies all over. And each one of them, according to Scripture, is an autonomous body separate from all others, and the 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 people in the church, the people are the church. And the people elect the pastor. The pastor doesn't elect the church. Simple as that. And we have so much Presbyterian rule. We have all these others. Everything but congregational rule. In the early years of the American Bible Society, the Baptists as well as other Others contributed their money to the, its support. In 1835, bylaws was passed by the society discriminated against certain versions made by Baptist missionaries. And that all the Baptists, all but a very few, considering themselves unjustly excluded from the common rights in society, withdrew from its support. We remember how earnestly Dr. Levitt and others, not Baptists, opposed this action of the society. Four years ago, in a revision of the rules, this bylaws were, were omitted, and this action was regarded as many as an uh, abandonment by the society in its previous position. The, the American Bible Society, the, this society that, uh, that was founded by Baptists originally, stood for a revision of the King James Bible, not from... King James, but from the original languages to correct the errors of the King James Bible so that people wouldn't be confused. When you can read your Bible translated correctly, it takes the confusion out of things. Four years ago, the revision of the rules and this bylaw was admitted. This action was regarded by many as abandonment by the society of its previous position and a circular issued by certain prominent Baptists declaring that in their view no, no reason existed why Baptists should not resume their former position in support of the society but to test the matter an application was made for aid to circulate the Burmese translation of the Bible by Dr. Adoniram Judson. After some delay this application has been directly refused. The society adhering to the principle of the bylaws of 1835 the anti-anticipated reunion is therefore broken off that Dr. Howard Osgood the Baptist member of the society's committee on versions resigns his position and the alienation of the Baptist from cooperation with the society may now be considered permanent 
We're glad to say that again, a strong and able minority was opposed to this decision. The Burmese version of doc, Dr. Judson, who was a man of scholarship as well as Christian zeal, is admitted by the English Bishop of Rangon to be the model of indignant rendering, idiomatic, the, the uh, model of idiomatic rendering, and of a faithful and painstaking labor. The society condemns it merely on the ground that it translates the Greek word baptizo by a Burmese word meaning to immerse. That is a mistranslation, society says. Do, that it is not a legitimate rendering no true scholar would assert. When the late Dean Stanley declared that on philosophical ground it is quite correct to translate John the Baptist by John the Immerser. He gave the opinion of the real scholars of all sects, the latest standard lexicons as Kramer's and Wilkes, and that of Sophocles defined baptism by immersion, and they all give it no other meaning. The officials of the society do not charge that Dr. Judson's translation is unscholarly. They condemn it simply because it is a literal translation. They declare that the Greek word shall not be rendered into the vernacular. The vernacular means the common language of the day, but must be translated from the one language to the other, transliterated, simply transliterated into the Burmese sentence. They do not say that there is no word in Burmese to express the act of Naaman and of John and an act of common that one can hardly conceive a language so meager as not to have the word in its own therefore. And they do not say that the, some other Burmese word would present the Greek idea better than the word Dr. Judgeon had chosen. They say that the Greek word must not be rendered into Burmese at all. Hide the meaning of baptism because they were sprinkling the babies. But simply transferred so that its original meaning may not be expressed. The original meaning of the Bible may not be expressed. That's why your King James says baptize. It doesn't say immerse. It says baptize. It doesn't say dip. It doesn't call John the Dipper. Jesus was dipped in the River Jordan by John the Dipper, John the Immerser, because they want to hide the meaning of baptism. To be consistent, they should forbid anything to be made of John's place of baptizing in Eden near Salem, except that there was much water, hidatopola, there. And a Philip and the eunuch should be Rinthesly divulged merely that the they kata based aced into the water and anabased out of the water and it be wrong to give the exact meaning of the words denoting an act. We ought to belong to the mention of the attending circumstances lest they disclose the nature of the act. Forget what they did, cover it up. So it won't go against what you believe. People 
have a Bible that they can read that covers up what they don't believe. They're what we might call non-essential, non-essential elements in Christianity. No translator like Judge and Clan nor scholar stands forth to deny that the Greek word is adequately rendered by a certain Burmese word for the society say that the vernacular term shall not be used but the Greek word, of course, to the native will utterly be meaningless must be translated to the Burmese page by the missionary himself. The missionary will tell you what baptism means, not the Bible. The officials of the Bible Society are guilty of real sectarianism. It is vain to deny that the only objection they have to Judson's translation is that they may have to have a certain effect in certain controversies. They will have cause controversies among the missionaries. But what is society to do with the sectarian controversy if a certain translation is incorrect? Let them condemn it. But what have they to do with the question how will it affect this or that disciple? If a certain translation seems to be scholarly, they should publish it. If not, then don't publish it. What effect may it be on the ecclesiastical conflicts is what they're considering. There will be a conflict of interest among the missionaries because they don't all believe that baptized means baptized. The officials of the society abandon the majestic neutrality of scholarship and the love of truth which acts merely whether a given version is correct. They stoop to inquire how it will be affect the interest of contending sex, the interest of the contending sex. Gentlemen of the big brick house, it is not a right thing to do. The only question you have a right to ask is whether the translation of the daughter judgment is faithful to the original language, to the Greek. Is it faithful? If it is not, condemn it. If it is, then publish it. No matter what parties or contraries be helped or hindered by thereby, you were not appointed, gentlemen, to watch the interest of condemning sex, but to circulate the correct translation of scriptures. For you to refuse to circulate a given version, not because it is incorrect, but because it may have certain effect on certain controversies as a violation and the solemn trust committed to your charge. The Chinese Bibles, all of this, wherever you go, wherever you have controversies, wherever you have Pedo-Baptists and Baptists, you're going to have controversies on the translations of scriptures. If people read the scriptures translated correctly, they won't be anything else but Baptist. Simple as that. Not going to be Pedo-Baptists, they're not going to be sprinklers, they're not going to be pourers. I could go in here to all the different versions, all the different Bibles, and show you 
what year and what time, what period of time, the controversial groups. But just to say that, during all this time when the Baptists were getting these Bibles out among these people's hands, the Baptists had a 310% increase in their congregations. No one else had that. Because the Bible will teach you exactly what Baptists teach you. Simple as that. In the United States, Baptists at this time in 1800 have 54 charitable institutions, 7 theological seminaries, 35 colleges and universities, 32 female seminaries, 47 academics for both sexes. In the theological seminaries there are 54 teachers and 776 pupils. That doesn't sound like much today. But back then in the 1800s it was a lot. The Baptists were the first ones to welcome the Negroes and the Indians in their churches. Among the South and even the North, when America's came, when they, when the Baptists came to America, they were going out and they were educating their slaves. They were slaves, but they were educating those slaves, and they had them preaching on the plantations in their churches, and sometimes even in the white churches. And the other congregationals, the other denominations would say, look at them, they're having black people, Negroes, preach to their congregations. Negroes preach to their congregations. Non-essential things, huh? Non-essential. What is non-essential? What is the Bible? What is the Bible? Our next message that we're going to get here is about see here about 30 different little points essential points to Baptist only essential points to Baptist thank you for your attention I hope you've learned something from this we got so many Baptist churches out there today King James only know your history people what's wrong with you has somebody bewitched you the Bible translated from the original language correctly is the real translation, not a biased translation. It is. I have, in my classes, I have done every book in the New Testament at least once from the Greek, Greek reading and research. Translated it exactly the way it's supposed to be translated. The verbs, exactly the, the action of the verbs, the subjects and the objects. Nominative, genitive, obligative, locative, instrumental, dative, accusative, and vocative. All the verb forms. And the word baptizo and the word ecclesia translated correctly. If you want any of those books, I have PDF files of them. Just let me know. I'll send one of them to you. Email me and let me know. Our Father, we send this message out for clarity, for historical accuracy. Father, thank you for such men in this country as George Washington that literally 
laid his life down for the freedom that we have and then back the people that gave us religious liberty your people freedom from church state marriage Father please use this message wherever it goes for your honor and glory in Jesus name I pray Amen